The FT. Ukrainian parties that back closer ties with Europe have begun talks on forming a coalition after winning the majority of seats in the country's parliamentary elections. It's a political victory for the West in its dispute with Russia over the future of Ukraine, but this is overshadowed by economic and security worries as the conflict in the breakaway Donetsk region continues. I'm Fiona Simon, a digital editor at the FT, and on the line with me is Neil Buckley, our East Europe editor, to discuss what happens next. Hi, Neil. Hi. First of all, what's the new balance of power in the Ukraine parliament, and how did the pro-Russia parties do? Well, the results of the uh, parliamentary election have given a very strong boost to pro-Western, pro-European parties. The two parties of the president, Petro Poroshenko, and the prime minister, Arseniy Yatsenyuk, finished top with roughly 21% of the vote each. And then there was a third-placed party, which is also pro-European, with about another 11% of the vote. That party's called Samopomich, or Self-Reliance. So for the first time, we have a Ukrainian parliament where there is a solid pro-European and pro-reform majority, and those parties are now in talks on a coalition. The pro-Russian vote declined a lot, but that was partly because the Crimea and rebel-controlled eastern regions of the country didn't vote for obvious reasons. And the party of former President Viktor Yanukovych, who was ousted in February, has largely imploded and didn't contest these elections. But a new party made up of uh, some of his former allies did get just under 10% of the vote and won in some of the uh, eastern Russian-speaking regions of Ukraine. So there is still an important geographical divide, although it's less pronounced or less evenly matched than it once was in the Ukrainian parliament. Will the new government be in a position to resolve the country's dispute with Russia over its gas supplies? Well, that's one of the many very big questions facing this government. The indications are that Russia may actually want to do a deal to restore supplies rather than withholding supplies over the winter and using that to um, put further pressure on Ukraine. Our impression is that Russia is concerned about the implications for the reputation of Gazprom as a reliable gas supplier if supplies are not turned back on. But Russia is trying to get the EU to help Ukraine pay off some of the several billion dollars of debt that Ukraine has accrued. And it's not clear yet if that is something that can happen. It's also uh, not clear whether Ukraine will accept the terms that Russia is proposing for a deal. But, there, of course, there are a lot of other questions facing the new government or new challenges facing the government, particularly uh, in implementing the kind of reforms that are long overdue in Ukraine to tackle endemic corruption, to try and strengthen the rule of law, establish an independent judiciary and improve the competitiveness of the economy. All of those are huge challenges, and it remains to be seen whether even this parliament, which seems better placed to implement them, can actually do so. Will the Ukraine government be able to survive economically without some resolution to the fighting in Donetsk? I think the government can survive economically, but the fighting in the east, although we should say the fighting has died down quite a lot since the ceasefire on September the 5th, it's not stopped completely, but it is at a much lower level than it was a couple of months ago. So the rest of the country can carry on, but the problem is that the east, uh, the, the rebel-held regions in the east are 
a key source of coal, for example, to Ukraine for power generation. And particularly in a situation where they don't have Russian gas, coal-fired generation of electricity is even more important. And the rebels in the east have the ability to restrict coal supplies if they choose to the rest of the country. So certainly it is in everybody's interest, in effect, for the fighting in the east to be properly resolved and uh, for the ceasefire to be uh, fully implemented. But that, of course, means Ukraine's government de facto having to accept the presence of a region within its territories that it doesn't control and uh, which is controlled by rebels who are strongly backed by Moscow. Last week, Russia's President Vladimir Putin accused the US of backing an armed coup earlier this year in Ukraine. Is it any clearer after this speech how Russia intends to proceed? It's not really any clearer what Russia is planning. What Mr. Putin said was what Russia has said consistently since February when Viktor Yanukovych was ousted as president, that this was an illegal coup by uh, far-right groups that was backed and somehow fomented by the Americans, which is not a version of events that many of those of us who are on the ground and witnessed it really recognize as accurately representing what happened. But that's the Russian line. In Mr. Putin's speech, he really railed against what he saw as U.S. attempts to dominate the world order and to throw its weight around in what he described as very damaging ways that undermined global security. And he cited what had happened in Ukraine as, in essence, the latest example of that overreaching by America. And that, in essence, was why he said Russia had had to respond. I think the clear sense I get from having spent time in both Russia and then in Ukraine in the last few days is that certainly on the Ukrainian side, they don't feel this is over yet. They feel that Russia is going to keep on making trouble for the new government in Ukraine in various ways. But it's not clear yet exactly what the tactics will be. Thank you very much. Thank you. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.